Hi, I'm Ron Hogan, and this is Life Stories, a podcast series where I interview memoir writers about their lives and the art of writing memoir. And my guest today is Dave Bree, and his memoir is a little bit unusual. It's called Public Apology. It's just out from Grand Central Publishing, and rather than sort of a straight-through narrative, it is a series of letters that he has written apologizing to people all the way back to junior high. So, welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, the public apology letters, well, tell us a little bit about how they started out. They started on a website called The All. What happened was I lost my job, or at least my job got uh, severely truncated in early 2009 when lots of people in publishing lost their jobs. I was, a, I was or I still am, kind of an editor at a rap music magazine called Double XL. Double XL shrank its staff from about 20 people down to about five people. I was taken off staff and put onto a freelance basis. And so I had extra time during my day and I needed looking for more work. I'd never worked or written on the internet, but it was apparent that that's where a lot of writing and publishing was going was the internet. A friend of mine, Sarah, has a friend named Corey who had just started a website called The All. And she told me he was looking for writers and did I have any ideas for uh, columns that they, they that to write, and I had this idea. I had kind of had it in my head for a little while, I think, as a way to tell stories, to write apologies for stupid stuff that that I've done in my past. So I wrote him a list of about ten, just by title. Dear so and so, I'm sorry for such and such, and he said he liked the idea, and we started writing them on the all, and and he started out being about, I think, 500 words each and quite small, and then they got a little longer. We found, I think, that the the, the right length or the, the length they ended up being was around 1,000 words or 1,200 words. What was the first apology that you wrote? Who, who did you apologize to first? I think the first one was to Robert Sean Leonard, who I lived in a building with. I moved into a building in the, in the West Village uh, with my my friend Nick around 1998. On the day that I moved in, I saw this guy on the stairs. I passed him on the stairs and we were carrying our stuff. And so he was very nice and said like, oh, hi, you moving into the building? Welcome. And I said, yeah, yeah, hi. I said, hey, you look really familiar to me. Did we maybe go to, you know, camp or summer school or whatever, you know? And he was sort of bashful and, and, and I, but I, I, pressed him a little more than maybe I should have about like how we might know each other because he said I don't think we know each other and I said I'm really sure your face looks so familiar to me and he finally sort of reluctantly said you know oh, sometimes I'm on I'm on TV and, and, and movies and I was like oh all right you know and, and I said well where would I recognize you from he said eh, maybe we'll talk about it later sure enough it kind of came to me later on that day that it was uh, this actor Robert Sean Leonard and I passed him on the street and I said, I said it's like oh dead poet society you're the guy in dead poet society and, and he said yeah and I felt you know I felt a little guilty just because it was you know he's probably done lots of stuff since dead poet society but I didn't really I haven't really kept up with his career so much so that's already established <laughs> this relationship between us where I felt like I was a little bit uh, on the wrong foot and a little bit dorky or something with him and then one night later maybe a year later I came home very early in the morning, and I'd stayed out much too late, stayed out all night, 
and he was walking his dog outside our building and I I sort of <laughs> harassed him with a good morning and a hello and talking to him about all the great reviews that that his play the producers had been getting the producers had just opened and so I I stopped him and said hey man you must be so psyched you you're doing so great your play is a big hit and he was sort of like I don't know what you're really talking about and I was like oh you must just be being shy and bashful again what do you mean you're in this this play I've been reading all about it in the newspapers everyone's the biggest hit Broadway's had in uh, years and he's doing so good you must be so proud congratulations and he sort of you know moved gingerly away I went in and uh, went to sleep and woke up a few hours later horribly hungover and realized that I confused him with Matthew Broderick, who was in The Producers, and Robert Shaw Leonard was not in The Producers, and had nothing to do with it. So, of course, I had no, no idea what I was congratulating him for out on the, the sidewalk. So, um, And that's not really the sort of thing that you can go back and go, and like, oh, hey, sorry, I thought you were Matthew Broderick. Yeah, no, no, it's sort of just got to swallow it and say, like, I'm an idiot, and, you know, <laughs> move on. That pretty well sets the tone for the ones that would follow. A lot of them are those types of experience experiences where i've screwed something up often in a state of intoxication probably in putting the book together we actually wanted to cut down on those types of apologies a lot of the ones that ran on the all have been more of those types of stories which i could see wouldn't make for such a good book that would get tiresome i think you know sound like some guy that was in a fraternity or something telling you his crazy stories from college so my editor, uh, Helen Atzma, who did, did, I think, just a wonderful job. I couldn't be happier with the work that Helen did and, and to have found someone to work with like her. But so she really helped me turn these individual embarrassing stories into something. The idea that we had when we, when we were talking about the book before starting on it was to make it more of a memoir, to make it have it give some sort of arc of, of kind of growing up, a person growing up and hopefully uh, reaching a place of greater wisdom, I guess would be a way to put it, than, than, than he had when he was younger. So she helped me kind of guide it towards more serious stuff and less just, and then this other time I got too drunk and said the stupid thing. You go back, as we said at the very beginning, to junior high. The early passages, especially when you're in junior high and high school and then in college, and part of this is just that you haven't got into New York and started screwing up in front of celebrities yet, <laughs> but... The stories there are are very intimate and very personal and, and very family related. Yeah, that's more uh, in the book than on the on the website. One of the ways that we wanted the book to be different than the columns was to was to have them be more serious and more maybe leaning towards poignant as opposed towards goofy funny. A topic that I was a pretty formative experience in my life that I hadn't written so much about on the all was my father's death from cancer when I was uh, 20. He, he was diagnosed with cancer right before I graduated high school, and they died a couple years later. And so, you know, it's kind of heavier stuff than I had written about. It was heavier maybe than I would have wanted to really delve into on a blog, on a website, you know, but seemed like uh, better material to make a book out of. And this is certainly, it is a story that, that I had imagined someday I would, would, would write about. And so, yeah, that ended up being sort of the, I guess it's the central event of, of the, of the book 
from a certain perspective, maybe the book could look something like an arc of frivolous and carefree leading up to tragedy and then coming off of tragedy, hopefully gaining wisdom uh, from the, being forced to grow up. So, uh, yeah, so, so a lot of the, the, the family stories are centered around my relationship with my dad and my mom and my sister and then sort of what happens to a family when the dad gets sick and dies. Had you at any point tried some of that heavier material on the blog? No, I think I'd alluded to it in in a few blog posts. I, I One that I'd written to another friend of mine from college was that right after my dad died, I came back to school. He died over Christmas break my sophomore year. And I came back to school and my, I saw my friend Winnie. And my dad having cancer wasn't something that I talked to people a lot about in college. And Winnie was a, a friend of mine that we'd get together and hang out and drink beer and laugh and stuff like that. And so Winnie saw me right when I returned from winter break and she said, Hey, da Dave, I didn't know your dad made pens. And I said, well, this is weird. And it was also weird to have her be addressing me about my dad who had just died two weeks before I got back. And I said, I, I don't really know what you're talking about. And then she pulled out a pen and it was one of those kind of jokey gag pens where there's a man sitting, it had a man inside a little tube of liquid and he had a suit on. But then when she turned the pen upside down, the, the liquid shifted and the suit fell away and he was naked with a, a big boner, the large erection. And she said, you must be so proud to see your dad here in this pen, you know, whatever. And I thought it was pretty funny and, and, and I wasn't like devastated or anything like that by her having made a joke about my dad. But what was, what was, what felt most bad was that I realized that I was now going to have to tell her this news because she was going to hear it from friends sooner or later, I'm sure. And so now here I had to kind of break this news to her. Uh, Winnie, it's a funny joke. I'm glad you made this joke, but I, but I tell you what, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but my dad just died like two weeks ago. So I know it, you, 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 it really puts you on the spot. You might feel funny now, but I, I figured I would tell her rather than have her hear from a, a friend and then we'd have to have the conversation later. So, uh, so I alluded to, to my, my, my dad's death and some of the apologies, but I didn't really write about it directly until the book. Knowing the the posts that I've seen on the all, there is that sort of overall persona of Dave reviewing his greatest hits of self-mortification. <laughs> you know, when you get to the book, a more nuanced portrait starts to emerge as you sort of move off of those, oh, you know, I'm going to apologize for this thing that I did that really embarrassed me more than it hurt you. And... And there are things here that you write about where it's like, no, this time you really did hurt somebody. Yeah, certainly the book tackles heavier stuff. In terms of really hurting people, there are a few where I would really honestly, are, are, are still things that feel shameful to me, are still things that I feel honestly bad about when I think back on you know, a number of the ones, and I think more of the ones that ran on the all were stuff like the apology was there. It's a, it's a gimmick, you know, to use the sort of uh, basest word for it to uh, get a reader into a story. And basically, I just like to tell stories. Right. I mean, um, like, for example, you do feel bad about throwing beer cans on John Von Jovi's right. lawn, but it's still an excuse to get like a thousand words out about John Bo right. Bon Jovi's music. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's not anything that 
most of the stuff in the book I look at as misdemeanors, you know, not not felonies. There would be a few that are maybe felonies where things that I still look back and really feel pretty bad about. But even those, you know, I'm not a person that really spends too much time beating myself up over over things that I've done a long time ago. I understand, I, I feel bad. I have regrets, I think, probably like everybody. But I also believe in forgiveness and I, I I believe in forgiving other people for stupid stuff that they did when they were a kid. And I look back and even the real heavy stuff that I, that I, that I really honestly wish I had not done and feel bad and still, still, still retain some guilt over even that stuff. I'm, I'm, I give myself a break about it. I, I, I say, you know, uh, all right, I was young. Hopefully I won't do dumb stuff like that in the future. I probably still will. And in 10 years, I'll probably be looking back at this time of my life and thinking, Oh man, well, the different ways that I screwed up. You know, I understand that that's just that's just part of life. That's the process. Has there been any sort of therapeutic value to doing these? I mean, after you write them, does it feel like release of some kind? Uh, no, that's a, a a question that I get asked a lot, and it's it's something that a lot of writers talk about. And I remember even from when I first started writing, taking writing courses in college. And hearing a lot of people talk about how writing was really self-therapy for them. Writing uh, was the way that they dealt with their fears and anxieties, pain in their life. It was a cathartic. It was a way of really coping and dealing. And then you hear people, a lot of writers, you hear people say, oh, if I couldn't write, I would die. Writing saves my life. Uh, I need to write to get through this painful stuff. Writing has never been that for me, and, and and so it's always felt rather foreign when people have talked about writing as therapy. I can understand how it would work like that, but it's just never been a part of it for me. I think that I do my reflection and self-therapy, if you want to call it that or whatever, in one part of my brain, and that's in, that's in, I keep that in a box in one part of my brain in terms of how I deal with uh, emotional stuff in my life, uh, and then the writing uh, about anything, frivolous stuff or writing about serious stuff, uh, exists in a different box, in a, in, a, in a different box from what I would think of as the therapy box. So it never really has felt therapeutic. I, I like to tell stories, and I'm happy to share stories about emotional stuff with people because I like to read stories about emotional stuff that other people write. So I, if I can give... an a reader the same feeling of relating to something that I feel when I read another writer's uh, emotional stories, and it feels good, it feels like a bomb almost, uh, for pain. Uh, that would be the kind of high, high, high-mindedest, highest-minded goal of this book. You know, if, if, if in reading about a painful moment, for me and how I experienced that and dealt with it. If, if someone else, if a reader can then feel a little bit of communion and unity with the, with someone else in the world, because, Hey, Dave experienced that and he felt those things. And, and in reading about that, I I'm put in touch with the way that I experienced a similar thing and felt about a similar thing to me as a reader. That's the greatest feeling in the world. And if, if I can, uh, connect with any any individual reader on that level i'm very very happy but it's it it's outward 
it's not inward. So it's not therapy for me. Once the apologies started rolling on me all, how often do you hear from the people that you've apologized to? It's been a few times, not so often. Many of the people that I apologized to, I had a policy when I was writing them on the all of, if I could get in touch with the person pretty easily, I would, before publishing the piece, I would send them a copy and say, hey, are you cool with me telling this story that we shared uh, in our life? Are you cool with me publishing it? And just about everyone was always cool. I think I had to change the spelling of one guy's name and because he asked me, so he wasn't comfortable. There was some stuff about pot smoking in there and he's a teacher and he didn't want him. So most people were cool with it, except one person. One person was, was I think, offended is the wrong word. One person was not happy to have been included in such a story publicly with her real name attached. Uh, so that's another name that got changed for the book. Do the celebrities ever say anything at all? No. I have heard through a friend of a friend of a friend who somehow knows Bob Mould that Bob Mould read the story that I, I apologized for uh, drunkenly ruining a, an acoustic concert of his when I was uh, in college by hooting and hollering too too loudly. Uh, I heard that he read it, and I, I it's nice to think that I heard that he liked it, but but he never I didn't like hear from him or anything like that. I wouldn't be surprised if Everlast from House of Pain if he had gotten it because we have some similar friends in in common too. Um, so it might have reached him, but. No, I, I, I never heard from Robert Sean Leonard or Stephen Malkmus or Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to be hearing from Bill Clinton about that one. <laughs> Within the realm of people closer to you, once it was clear that this was not a one-off and that you were going to be doing these apologies for a while, did people start telling you, oh, well, if you're apologizing for stuff, let me tell you, you know, here's a list of things you can do with me. <laughs> yes, yes. My wife has the longest list of anybody and reminds me of that uh, frequently. But yeah, a lot of my a lot of my friends like to, to say, oh, you should write about this or you should write about that or uh, and tease me about the notion of remember that time that you did that stupid thing. Remember that time that you were wrong. Remember that time that you screwed up. You should apologize for that. Uh, and that's still goes, you know, now if I'm in an argument with somebody and it'll get heated or even if they just want, want to be telling me that I'm wrong, they, they'll say like, oh, this will be material for your book. You know, you'll look back at this in a couple of years and you can, it'll be it'll be material for your next book. Speaking of which, the column continues. Mm -hmm. I just brought it back about a, a couple of months ago. I dis, it, I discontinued it on the all for probably about a year, maybe a year and a half, because... By contract, the book needed to be 60% new material. So the, as we, we, we drew it up, I would be using a bunch of old columns that previously published on the all, and then adding to them with a bunch of new material. 60% 60, 60 of the book would be new material. And so any new writing or new idea or new or energy that I had to put towards the, 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 the public apology pieces uh, needed to go towards the book, so so I couldn't publish them on the all. As you were taking the older material and putting it into the book, did you find yourself expanding on those original apologies in any way, or did they just sort of fit in? There was some expanding. Most of them fit in, so a lot of it, a lot of it was a matter of 
taking stories that I had written, not thinking about them in any order, and putting them into a chronological order that made sense as a story or overall arc. But then, and then filling in gaps or filling in information that you would need to un better understand how this all works together, filling in the, the, the gaps in story. And that was, again, that was something that my editor really helped me with. And so some, yes, yeah, some of the stories that had been written on the all, I reworked or blew out and expanded to, to give them more depth, hopefully, so that they would incorporate into a story, an overall story arc better. Are there things that you would feel so guilty about you would never really want to share them? Yeah, there are probably a couple things like that that I just would never, ever want to share. I don't even know if it was, it's that I feel so guilty about them. But maybe they're just sort of sensitive enough to, to me and other people that I wouldn't want to get it out there. Maybe they, they involve private things about other people's lives so that it, it in fact, there were a couple things that I had planned to write in the book or, or thought about writing in the book that then as I got into doing it and as I talked to different people and found out people's reactions to being in, in the book and what that meant. And, and even as I sort of looked at just what it would be to delve into some of this stuff and write about it, you know, I just thought like, no, that's too heavy or that will hurt a person, that, not me, to put it out there. And so I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. You know, I, I, I guess I go pretty far with, with the idea of, of Joan Didion saying that, you know, you're always selling somebody out anytime you write about them. But I also wouldn't want to really do something to hurt somebody just to just to tell a story. Someone else just gave me a good quote, too. Oh, apparently William Faulkner said that he would trample over his grandmother for a good story or something like that. I forget the exact words. And so I don't prescribe to that philosophy. Writing is very important. Making art is very important. Uh, it would not ever be important enough to me to really do someone or another person damage in the world. That's more of a reason why there are some things that are the kind of darkest secrets, corners, whatever type stuff that didn't get in the book. Is, is the way that they would affect another person. What are you planning to apologize for next, if you can tell us? I, oh, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have one. I don't have one in mind and lined up, but in a, in a, I'm, I'm due for another one on the all in a couple of weeks, so I'll, I'll, I'll have to come up with something. I do keep a list. I'm forgetting exactly what, what's on it, but, you know, I do jot down ideas as stories come to me around a particular apology, a, a particular something that I did in my life. I'll jot it down to write about that. So I have a list at home. A lot of the trick is, just taking the, the, the stories that I think are interesting or funny stories, the types of stories you tell over dinner, the types of stories you tell your friends at a bar, and figuring out how to, what's the apology to, to, to base this around, you know? There very, there very often is one. These stories very often involve some messing up or doing, doing something that you feel stupid about. So often it's a matter of getting a good anecdote and fitting it into the, find an apology so it fits into the the format. And again, that just brings me back to the word gimmick. It's, it's sometimes it feels that what I'm doing is gimmicky in that I'm, I'm using this uh, formu formulaic structure to tell stories. I would hope that 
in the reading, they don't come off as cheap or gimmicky, but, uh, but I, I want to be uh, honest and upfront about the process. Sometimes that feels like a gimmick to me. Yeah, three, four years ago, when you started doing this, is did you ever expect that it would snowball to become this thing? No. Corey Sika at the All did. Corey's original, he's one of the two uh, founding editors of the All, and his original response, he's, he's friends with my friend Sarah. And so he's the guy that I sent a list of apologies to. Here's this idea that I have for a column. And he, his immediate response was, oh, wow, this will be the fastest blog to book deal that anyone's ever signed. And I was really surprised. I never had saw it as a book or anything like that. I saw them very much as one-offs, saw them very much as individual things. But, but he said, oh, no, this, this, will, this will make a perfect book. So he ended up being right. It took obviously took a took a while. There they were, they ran. I think a, they ran for a year or so before uh, agents started to call up and say, "Hey, this is this. Let's let's make a book out of this." Yeah, but he was so he was right. So he saw it. He has a good mind for that type of stuff. But I didn't. I never I never saw it turning into uh, until people started to approach me with the idea. Well, it definitely is a book now, and there may well be another book in the future. I've been talking with Dave Bree about Public Apology, which has been published by Grand Central. I'm Ron Hogan, and this is Life Stories. Join us for another episode soon. Thanks.